0: Visit tancommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of the commentaries.
1: Hello, and welcome to the beginning of this commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I am Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. And it is my joy and my blessing to be your host for a series on this truly remarkable work by an even more remarkable saint. Today is the first day of our series, and today we'll be covering the preface and the introduction of the tan edition of the book, The Dialogue, in which we'll come to know a little more about the background of St. Catherine herself and her only full length work, The Dialogue. Today, we're going to begin with a prayer that we'll use throughout this series. This prayer was written by St. Catherine herself and is calling upon the Trinity, whom she loved and served so passionately to bless us and anoint us as we walk through praying and reading this great work. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal God, eternal Trinity, you have made the blood of Christ so precious through his sharing in your divine nature. You are a mystery as deep as the sea. The more I search, the more I find. And the more I find, the more I search for you. But I can never be satisfied. What I receive will ever leave me desiring more. When you fill my soul, I have an ever greater hunger and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, welcome to this series that I hope will be a great help for you in understanding St. Catherine's dialogue. Like many of the great classics of our spiritual life, and great classics coming from the doctors of the Church in our tradition, the text is not the easiest to delve into. But I believe that with a little guidance, you will find so much light and grace in this text. But before we begin to look into the text itself, I want to share with you that I'm particularly grateful to be invited to reflect on St. Catherine and her great work, The Dialogue, with you. I was blessed to live in Italy for five years while I was doing my step formal studies in theology, and I was able to visit several times St. Catherine's hometown of Siena and the places associated with her in Rome. Walking in the footsteps of St. Catherine helped me to understand this woman who said of herself that her nature was fire. I think for St. Catherine, she was truly on fire with love for the Lord. And I believe that when the church invites us to meditate on what she wrote, it is so that our souls also will catch fire. It has also been my privilege to study many courses on her thought, as well as offer conference talks and retreats that are steeped in her teaching. A priest friend of mine once said to me that we don't choose the saints, but rather they choose us. They draw near to us to help us discover a new truth in our journey of faith. I believe that St. Catherine has chosen me in order to lead you deeper and closer to Christ. It is my hope that this series will be a benefit to your personal spiritual life. The very fact that you were drawn to listen to this shows me that St. Catherine is drawing close to you and inviting you to discover the love that can set you ablaze for Christ. As pointed out in the Preface to the Tan edition of the Dialogue, St. Catherine saw herself as a vessel or a mouthpiece for the Lord's message. The whole book of the dialogue flows from a conversation in prayer that Catherine had with God the Father. This conversation she dictated, and this was recorded by scribes who took down what Catherine said in prayer. Her questions addressed to God are followed by the responses that she heard in her heart in prayer. They cover four major topics with many points within those topics. The first topic is that of divine providence. The second, discretion. The third, prayer. And the fourth, obedience. In a sense, it's the first of the topics that gives the framework to the whole book. In fact, the full title of the book is The Dialogue on Divine Providence. For St. Catherine, God is not remote and far off. He's not some distance away from us, not passive towards us. But rather for Catherine, God is intimately involved in the life of each of us and in our world. No matter how challenging her times were or ours are, Catherine invites us to trust that God is at work in the intimate details of living with profound, love, and mercy. In the introduction to the book, it is worth noting that in order to understand a work like the dialogue, we have to enter into the mindset of the Middle Ages, an age that is in many ways different than our own. The Middle Ages were a time deeply shaped by strong personalities. When we think of the bold personalities of saints like St. Dominic, St. Francis, St. Catherine, St. Clair, we see how great an impact individuals had on an entire period. As the author of the introduction states, religion was in those days a mental and social force that we have difficulty understanding or imagining. In medieval society, both religious and secular rulers wielded tremendous responsibility from the Christian point of view. Much of Catherine's heartfelt distress and much of her intercessory prayer and penance was rooted in her seeing a church and a state beleaguered by the weaknesses of both religious and secular authorities. She knew that the corruption of those in leadership would do immeasurable harm to those they were appointed to lead. Unlike many who strive for reform in today's society and church, St. Catherine did not correct in order to contradict, but rather to convert. She was aflame with the desire to see many drawn to Christ. A visitor to Siena today can hardly imagine that at one point that city was considered a rival to Florence. The majestic stone structures of the governmental buildings and the churches dating mostly to the 13th century are a hint at how important Siena once was. Constant battle and the devastation wrought by the plague in the 14th century would decimate the population of Siena. Catherine was born into a merchant family whose relative prosperity reflected the period immediately before her birth. But in early childhood, The devastation of the plague and of war was already beginning to erode the economic and political strength of the city St. Catherine loved so much. The positive side of the fact that Siena did not continue to grow and expand is that to this very day, you can visit what was the family home of St. Catherine. It includes a beautiful chapel with frescoes that depict many of the key scenes of the saint's life. In that home, her parents, Giacomo and Lampa Benincasa, had 25 children, including their youngest, Catherine, and her twin. She came from a big and boisterous Italian family, and even though she was shy, Catherine developed a certain tenacity and boldness of spirit that would help her fulfill her God-given mission. Most of the stories of the early life of St. Catherine are told to us in the biography of her confessor and spiritual guide, Blessed Raymond of Capua. Raymond was a Dominican priest who served as the master general of the order of preachers and helped lead its reform. It can fairly be said that he would not be a man given to exaggeration and yet he repeatedly testifies to the truly extraordinary events in the life of Catherine. From the time of her childhood, she was a devout child, praying to Mary on every stair in her family's home and seen to be lifted above the stairs by an invisible force. It is well attested, and there is even a monument to mark the place where it occurred today, that St. Catherine was only six years old when she had a vision that would change her life. She saw Christ dressed in papal robes and wearing the papal tiara or crown. In this vision, Christ was accompanied by Saints Peter, Paul, and John. When St. Catherine saw this vision, she couldn't budge from the spot. As she gazed on Christ enthroned, who raised his hand in silent blessing over her. Catherine was certain, from that point forward, that she was destined to be consecrated to Christ and to the service of His Church. At the age of seven, she privately vowed her life to Christ. When she was in her teens, her mother insisted that she accept marriage. Her mother arranged a marriage, and Catherine had to resist so firmly that she even cut off her hair to postpone the engagement. Catherine respected her mother, but when it came to doing God's will, Catherine was unshakable. Eventually, after many battles and tears, Catherine convinced both her mother and the church authorities to allow her to pursue what she saw as her God-given vocation, to be a Dominican tertiary consecrated to Christ while living in her home and serving the needs of the people of Siena. That Catherine's life would be one of intense Christian service is shown throughout her short years. Whether she was reconciling warring factions or visiting the sick or imprisoned, she always seemed to walk with Christ her bridegroom. Her amazing charity won over the sick she nursed, and the condemned criminal for whom she not only prayed but with whom she walked even to the place of his execution, holding him as he breathed his final breath. Catherine is deservedly famous for her surprising role in helping to restore the papacy to Rome after several popes had been residing in Avignon and therefore heavily influenced by the French monarchy. This, however, is not her principal gift to the Church. As pointed out in the book's introduction, Catherine had the remarkable combination of passion for the truth, integrity of life, and gentleness and humility of spirit that gave her life-changing influence over the people of her own day and of many subsequent generations. Quote, She is among the few guides of humanity who have the perfect manner, the irresistible attractiveness, of the positive purity of heart, which not only sees God, but diffuses Him as by some natural law of refraction over the hearts of men. Quote. In addition to her personal influence, Catherine was able to write only a few works in her short lifetime. Many argue that her letters offer the most personal and profound insight into Catherine's thought and prayer. She also wrote a short collection of prayers, which includes the prayer that we will use at the beginning of each of these talks. Her only full-length work was the one that we will explore throughout this series, the dialogue. Throughout that work, Catherine never loses sight of how God's mercy is at work even amidst the evident and profound brokenness of individuals and societies, including the church she loves so much. Catherine is rightly hailed as one of the most extraordinary women who ever lived. And yet she sheds light on even the very ordinary elements of growth in the spiritual life. Catherine was an intensively active mystic, She was dictating what she heard in prayer in the midst of a very dynamic apostolate. Catherine was not a literary scholar or a genius, even though some passages of the dialogue are profoundly beautiful. Every commentator I have ever read on her notes that her metaphors are rather complex and intricately woven together in a way that sometimes can seem to make little sense at the literal level. Reading Catherine is like drinking from an active spring that feels at times more like a waterfall. Or to use her own imagery of her spiritual life, it is like a flame bursting forth. Catherine's mind was well formed by the Dominican preaching that she heard in her hometown of Siena, at the Basilica of St. Dominic, where the Dominican friars preached. The most intense of all, however, was her interior formation that came directly from the Lord of her heart, the one to whom she secretly vowed her whole life at the age of seven. You can only understand Catherine if you understand that hers is a soul utterly consumed by love for Christ and tirelessly committed to leading as many souls to Him as possible. In our next episode, We'll be beginning the dialogue itself with the opening of the section on Divine Providence. I hope that you'll continue this journey with me and walk with Catherine and learn from this great master of the spiritual life, how to engage in dialogue with the Lord who speaks in each of our hearts and in each of our souls. This is what Catherine longs to, not to lead us to herself, but to lead us to the Lord may this dialogue that she had with god inspire our dialogue of prayer thank you for joining me for the first episode i hope you'll join me for the next glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen
0: this has been an episode of the commentaries a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support the commentaries and other great free content from TAN, visit TANcommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven.